But his servants approached him and said, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said was, wash and be clean. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's Old Testament lesson struck me as I discovered something this week. As you know, Mother Suzanne is gone on vacation right now, and as a result, her summer seminarian took up some project-like tasks to fill his time. In particular, that seminarian was trying to develop ways to counter or erase the implicit bias inside the new administration software being used in the office. That seminarian, they dug deeply into the software's administrative menus, identified areas for improvement, and developed accurate instructions on how to make appropriate changes. They even added pictures as a visual aid in the instructions for those who find computers a challenge. It took almost an entire day to write the instructions alone. Unfortunately, a lot of those instructions are wrong. The task is actually much simpler than the seminarian first believed, and almost two days' worth of work were a waste. When that seminarian found out how easy the task really was, they were unable to be happy about it. As you know, I'm that seminarian, and I wanted to have completed something difficult to show Mother Suzanne when she returns. This was too easy. The healing of Naaman is the stuff of comic books, of superhero movies. But this great and powerful general in a faraway land has a kryptonite, an Achilles heel. Leprosy is a disease which deforms and deadens the nerves in an affected area, making it impossible to feel anything there. This often leads to self-injury since the person can't feel pain or doesn't even know that they've been injured. That might seem like a competitive advantage in the business of war, but leprosy spreads from one place in the body to the rest. And in the days of Naaman, it was a slow and creeping death warrant. There's also a social aspect to leprosy. The infected are shunned. The infection itself is difficult to acquire and seemingly spreads at random. The people around Naaman are thinking about his illness and his impending demise, talking about it. It's such an open discussion that even the servants are bold enough to mention it in front of their masters. It's here that we see the first act of power happening in this story. A servant girl, a child, speaks about her faith in God and in God's prophets 
back in her homeland to the wife of Naaman. That faith of a child leads Naaman himself to gather unimaginable wealth, a giant entourage, and a blessing from his king to seek out this prophet in Samaria. Naaman is ready for anything, even the most difficult of tasks. I like to be prepared. I was a Boy Scout once, if only for a year or two. I keep Band-Aids in my wallet and a pocket knife with me almost all the time. Life just seems easier when you're prepared. Things are more under control. So when today's gospel describes the orders that Jesus gives the 70, I have feelings. I imagine standing in the room as Jesus tells these people who have devoted their lives to him, not only to give up safety, but to give up comfort in order to do his work. It might seem that Jesus is setting out a rule of poverty, no purse with which to buy food or shelter, no bag with which to provide those things for yourself, no sandals to make the journey easier on your body, the opposite of Naaman. And I said, it seems like Jesus is commanding poverty. That is in the realm of possibility. I mean, he's done that before. Yet I think that Jesus here is commanding a rule of trust, faith that God is acting in the world is a requirement. The 70 must rely on God for what they need. The next act of power in the story of Naaman comes from the acts of Naaman's servants at the gates of Elisha's house. These servants are strange, calling their master Aub or father instead of my lord. This is even stranger in the Hebrew since this is the form of the word in the singular. It could be otherly rendered as our father or father of mine. These servants use what is a close, nearing, intimate relationship to say, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? Don't I wish. That's the story our culture tells us, isn't it? The hero overcomes the great challenge, sometimes with the help of friends, and then strikes a pose for the camera. I mean, we've all seen the picture of the guru on the mountaintop. You have to climb the mountain to get the wisdom, right? The servants go on. How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean? This command from Elisha to Naaman rubs Naaman the wrong way because it ignores his preparation. It even takes his own prowess out of the question. This healing is no longer about Naaman or his power. 
It's not even about magic hand-waving by Elisha. Naaman even points out that if it's about the washing, that there are better places to do it. So if it's not about power or money or magic or skill, what is this prophetic bath regimen about? Something strange happens when I place myself in Naaman's enraged shoes. It feels familiar. I remember wanting God to command me into the monastery. I remember hoping to be made a prophet, like in the Old Testament, speaking truth to kings. I remember just yesterday wanting to save the entire Episcopal Church from falling membership numbers. You know, something only a hero who's well prepared could do. If you were standing at the gates of Elisha's house, what command would he send you? Is it to give more charitably? I'm not saying sell everything you own. So for Jesus, that's also not out of the realm of possibility. All too often for me, the command is love thy neighbor as thyself. That neighbor down the street with the political sign I don't agree with, really? And you said, love? I don't even want to tolerate them. In the same way, with the same mind, in the same spirit that I love myself? I feel like Naaman, enraged that God is asking me to do something I am entirely capable of doing right now without any excuses. And then the servant's words come to me. How much more? And at that, Naaman consents for God to work in him what God wills, not only over his leprosy, but over his whole body. The scriptures say, so he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan. The word immersed is redundant with the number seven, meaning completely. God doesn't just want to heal Naaman's sicknesses, or ours. God wants us, his creations, to know that he loves us every inch. God is willing to care for our whole self, and all of our needs as may be best for us. God is prepared if we would but trust, wash, and be clean. Amen.